0: Good morning. It, it is alive. So good to be with you guys this morning. I really am excited to share this message with you all. Please, please, please excuse my voice. I don't know what's happened to it. Uh, I just I did not go jawling last night. Um, I really didn't, but I did not go jawling last night. Uh, I just have, I don't know. I've lost my voice. But you're not here to listen to me, you're here to listen to the Word of God, and I I just pray that you guys are all ready to receive uh, this morning. We are in the swing of things for 2019. January has come and gone, gone. All the, what do they call January has gone. And then the men go, we still have to February because it's Valentine's Day. And Nando's is just not going to cut it. Wimpy, even more so. But I feel like there's lots to get through this year. Hey, there's so much happening. Um, if you've been follow- following the, the political climate that's uh, it been going on, the manifestos for each political party are being launched. And a lot of politicians are promising a lot of free stuff. And yes, there should be retailers. This guy says, like free food, and free land, and free housing, and free education, and, and, and all of that, so, and then uh, I think one of the other things that's happening, the pro tiers, they're going to the World Cup, uh, so there's a cricket World Cup that's happening, and some of us are really going, Tokens, <coughs> <laughs> no faith whatsoever, Importantly, there's a Rugby World Cup that's happening this year, um, which I'm very excited about. I really believe that the box can go all the way. Um, There's there's a lot. It's a lot, as they guys say. Um, I I pulled out some stats for for, for 2018, Um, not all doom and gloom, but it was quite interesting to find out that in the last quarter of 2018, 100,000 people lost their jobs. So 2018 was, was very tough in that instance. But not all of us experienced that same level of toughness. Maybe some of us went through a period of awesomeness. We, we went through a period where God really ended some stuff and began a new spring, so to speak, in our season. So, and that's fantastic. You know, um, I, I, I really, really believe that if, if you are in either of those spaces, that God has got something for you to, today. So end, end 2018, we get a break, we come back, we're ready to start the year and we start the series, Giants Must Fall. And it's been an, uh, and it's been an incredible series for, for, for all of us. If you weren't here in week one, we started with what is your promised land and what that really spoke about really is we're leaving this place called Egypt, this place of imprisonment, but need to find an identity about where we are going. In week two, we looked at giant slayers, and in giant slayers, we really started to understand that where we're going, there's going to be some trouble ahead. There's going to be some giants that we're going to need to fight, so we've got to brace ourselves. In week three, um, we we spoke about water from a a rock and really started to dig a little bit deeper around God's provision for, for us. Uh, in, in week four, which was last week, we looked a lot in, what's your promised land? So in this instance, we, uh, Gary, if you were here last week, spoke about tribes, that, that the Israelites were divided into tribes, and every tribe had its own identity, and the question that we asked last week is, well, what is your identity? So this week, we're going to speak about manna. That's where we are. Giants must fall, and my title is called manna. So we're in this place called Egypt, um, and this is some, some context. Why are we in Egypt? Well, what happened is that Israel went through a famine. Joseph was imprisoned and went to, to, to Egypt. He rose up to be the second most powerful man in Egypt, and everybody loved him. The Israelites saw this and followed him. The Israelites' numbers grew in, in, in Egypt. The Pharaoh got quite scared about this thing. Hey, the balances here don't look so lacquer. So he started killing Israelites, including Turin. Moses is saved. Moses gets adopted into the house of the Pharaoh. He grows up believing that he's an Egyptian and, um, and he lives in the house with, with, with the Pharaoh. One day he's walking the fields as one does when he owns a business land and he sees um, an Egyptian uh, a, a soldier abusing a, a slave, an Israelite slave, and he kills this, this, this soldier. He gets exiled into the wilderness, has a conversation with God some years later. God says to him, I want you to go free my people. He, encount, he goes to the Pharaoh. Ten plagues later, Egypt is free. People are going. They're raised into the sunset, and it was all happily ever after. Not. So we're in this space where the people have left this place called Egypt, and they in the desert. They've left the shade. They've left the vegetation of Egypt. They've left the river Nile, and they go into this place that is desert. So water. So water God draws water from a rock, but now two million people are hungry. Two million people are going to Moses and saying, we want food. Imagine that. Food for two million people from one man. So God does an incredible thing in this place. He provides them food, but I'm not going to dig into this just yet. We we want to look at it from an Old Testament to a New Testament space. So our principal text uh, for this morning is actually John 6, and we're going to look at it from 25 to 29. So what's happening now in the New Testament is Jesus is actually is he's in the swing of things. He's performing miracles. He's just performed the Sermon on the Mount. People got hungry. He feeds the 5,000 with five barley loaves and two fish. And he tells his disciples after this, just go ahead of me. I'll catch up with you guys later when everybody wants a piece of Jesus, so everybody's looking for him, and they go across the lake, and Jesus follows them, and they find him, and this is where we pick it up. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils but for the food that endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's an incredible space. So you get these Israelites that are so for this Messiah and they believe in him wholeheartedly that hey this is the guy, he's just fed the 5,000 we must go to work for him we must do, we must act and they go up to him and say what do you want us to do Jesus, what do you want us to do and he says to them, I just want you to believe just believe so they learn uh, surely it can't be surely it can't be just a matter of belief and non-belief so they ask him what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. And as, as it is written, he gave them bread. He's talking about Moses. From heaven to eat. So these guys are going, we want a sign. We want, we want an indication that you can do what you say you can do. Give us a little bit of a hint. We, we're impressed with your, with your teachings but we want something that's going to hit us and fuel our tummies show us something to feed on and jesus responds jesus said to them very truly i tell you it is not moses who has given you the bread from heaven but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world they go sir they said always give us this bread then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is tough to hear when you're hungry for something. And a guy stands in front of you and he goes, I am the bread that you want. I can imagine these guys going, sir, like dude, like numzan." With all due respect, you're a clever guy and all. But we're not about to cut you up and serve you on a platter. We want the good stuff, the stuff that we can actually consume, that can fill us up. So the Israelites start murmuring amongst each other. Because the the thing that they understand now is that because Israel, Israel could be divided into tribes, Jesus belonged into a certain tribe. And they could, they could identify his family tree. They could go up to him and say, you are the son of Joseph and your mother is Mary. And now you are making these bold, agla- ag- audacious claims that you're the son of, of God. Give us a sign. Give us what was given th- through Moses. And he's like, I am it. And these guys, they're not stoked about this. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, it's, it's quite interesting, and, and, and this, is, this is the beautiful part, is when, when the Israelites became hungry and they, wanted, they went to Moses and they said, feed us, they didn't just go, you know, tummies are grumbling. They went to him and said, you sold us dreams. You lied to us. You told us you, you were taking us out of, of enslavement and out of prison and into a promised land. What, what, what is this that you've, 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 you've given us? So, 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 so Moses goes and speaks to the Lord. In Exodus 16 verse 4, he says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you each day the people can go out and pick as much food as they need for that day. I'm going to, to rain down bread from heaven for you. It's quite, what's beautiful about this part here is that what God was saying to them is that I've got something for you that is going to satisfy your physical needs. I've got that provision for you that's going to satisfy your physical needs every single day that you will have as much as you need. And God sent them the manna for their physical needs. In In Exodus 16, 13, it continues. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it, they asked each other. They had no idea what it was. On Friday, on Friday evening, after work, it was around 6 o'clock, I, I went to go pick up some dinner in, in Mchlange Village, just out at Europa. And I, I saw these mates of mine from a distance, and I thought, oof, I'm not in the mood for this. So I was like, tippy-toeing, and then suddenly, hey, bones! And I was like, oh... Hi guys, so I go up to them and uh, we start chatting. These guys are a little bit older than I am. One guy is 55 going on to, to 60. The other guy is somewhere in the 40s to 50s. And we start having a, a, a conversation and it goes all over the place. It's politics, it's posasa, it's this, it's rugby. Da, 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 da. And somehow, somehow, on a Friday evening, I, was, I had ordered the food, my food was ready to be taken. We end up speaking about Jesus. And this guy, this 55-year-old, Comes, he says, you know what, I had an, something happened to me in early January. I said, what is it? He said, I had an urge to go to church. And he says, and let me tell you something about myself. From as long as I can remember, he said, I'm a self-proclaimed hooligan. That's what he says. I'm a self-proclaimed hooligan. And, and I had this urge to come to church. So he says. So he meets up with one of his mates. His mate is Robin, and Robin says to says to Robin, Robin "I've been feeling like going to church." So Robin says to him, "I, I, um, I, I want you to come to our church. I'm inviting you to come to us on Sunday." So he goes, he goes to church on Sunday, and Robin's waiting for him at the door. And at the door, Robin has got his little book here, and he says, Hey, can I, can I just show you something before you go in? He, shows, he says, This is my book, and, I, and in that book, it has his name on it. In a, and he's written a list of people from 10 years ago that he, he believed would come to know Jesus Christ and the Savior, and his name is there. And he walks in, and he says, as he steps in, he says he doesn't know what hit him. So it's six foot three, and he starts bawling his eyes out. Just teary. He walks in there, he's walking there with his daughter. He finds his space, and he's sitting there, and he can't explain what's got him so shook. The service continues at the end. The preacher uh, calls for an altar call. He says, if anybody wants prayer, please step up right now, do come, do come. And he said he found himself right in front, receiving, receiving prayer. And it's no different to what these Israelites were seeing back then. This fist, this flaky substance, as fine as frosted blanket on the ground. And they were so puzzled they didn't know what it was. And then Moses tells them, It is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. The food that the Lord has given. Jesus Christ didn't come to to satisfy us from our flesh. He came to satisfy us spiritually. And no different from being sent by the Father... But his assignment, I feel, was a little bit different. His assignment was to come fill up our souls. Moses tells his people, do not keep any until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. And Moses was very angry. I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever had an experience where where you've felt something so good and you, you've experienced something so awesome that you want to just memory bank it, you want to save it in the hope that you can, you can experience it like tomorrow, the same type of experience. And you, you feel like, hey, if, if I don't store some of this, I might lose it. I don't know when it's going to come back. I might, I might lose it. But, but here's what God promised his people. He said, there will be enough for you. I will give it to you every day and you could have as much as you need. Don't worry about when next. Don't worry when, when, about when will God provide his provision again. Because he has promised us that it will be here every day for us to consume. In the, in the Lord's Prayer, that, you know, we say this prayer often and it gets to that part where we say, give us, give us our daily bread. And if you remember the context here, it's the, it's the disciples that said, Lord, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he tells them, our Father who art in heaven. It gets to that part and he says, give us our daily bread. He doesn't say, give us yesterday's bread. He doesn't say, give us two weeks ago's bread. He not say, give them the bread that they stored for yesterday. He said, give us... Our daily bread. He's got it for you. He's your provider for every day. The Israelites called that food manna. And it was white like coriander seed and it tasted like honey wafers. Mm, honey wafers. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a bone to pick with, with Ross. Every time there's a food sermon, he asks me to preach it. Every time, every time, hint taken. But I know where the problem is because every time I read honey wafers, I start. To, uh, I know what's for breakfast this morning. You know what I mean? A little bit of a twitch. There's a there's an amazing song. I went to an Anglican school. There's an amazing song that I I, I used to love. Uh, they, it, it used to go, sweet, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, what a wonder you are. And this is the experience that these Israelites were experiencing right now. Coriander seed, and it tasted like sweet honey wafers. For the senior citizens, uh, uh, when uh, my, my voice is gone, and I'm not going to, maybe, maybe not embarrass myself up here. But do you remember, remember the song, Guide me, O thou great Redeemer. Program program through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. And then that part that goes, Bread of heaven, bread of heaven. You you guys were young, eh? (laughs) Feed me now and evermore. Feed me now and evermore. We were were pilgrims in a in a barren land. And and our cry was for for, for bread from heaven to come. But not to fill us with, with with material food. But our spirits were hungry. And I feel like the the guy that wrote the song understood that we could not live on bread alone. We couldn't live on bread alone. So these guys, they 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 get fed this this manna that is provided from heaven to fill their, their spiritual needs and their physical desires and their physical needs. They get fed it for 40 years. 40 years of the same food. 40 years of the same food. And the people of Israel ate it until they arrived to the land they would settle for 40 years. I had a mate of mine who, um, we were at, Mm -hmm. at Rugby Champs in 2009 and Spur was one of our sponsors. And so Spur would would, would breakfast, lunch, supper, but we'd mostly go out there for dinner. On the first day, this Mataman stands up. he says, guys, if anybody wants to give me the onion rings, I'm here. I don't get tired of onion rings. So little bit by little bit, I would give him the onion rings. On day three, his plate would be like, meat, onion rings. And he'd be like, okay, I've had enough. By day five, everybody's onion rings were literally on his lap. We were like, you said you could eat it. It lasted for 10 days. These guys ate the same thing for 40 years. The foreign rebel who were traveling with the Israelites began to grave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, hint, hint, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat or the cucumbers and the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic, we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we see is this manna. In other words, God's provision for them has become too familiar. They're too used to it now. It's there when they want it, as they want it. Familiarity looks, looks like that in our lives, doesn't it? We, we become so caught up in the mundane that, oh, you know, we want to spend time with God. So what does familiarity look like? Come to church, sit down, stand up, get greeted, sing a couple of songs, hear a word, and leave. Then you look at the effort of, oh, I have to come to church. Never mind the connecting with God side. It's the, do I have to drive that far? Or even spending time with, in prayer, it's like, close my eyes, okay, here we go, all right, okay, oh, I wonder what happened to Grey's Anatomy. Oh, anyway, God, um, I'm here, I'm here. Suddenly, that connection that we used to crave from the Lord is not as sweet anymore, but there's some things that are looking a little bit sweeter, like that next series, Or the next bra that's happening with some friends right now. Or even maybe a movie or a series. Touch rugby. Suddenly the distractions look a little bit better. But I want to share something with you. That there's a miracle in the mundane. The questions that we have to ask ourselves is, do we connect with the, mon- the monotony of going or do we connect with our Lord Jesus Christ? Where is our focus? When we took communion this morning, ask us that, is it the consuming of some fruit juice and a, and a piece of, of shortbread or is it the firm belief that we are connected to God right at this moment because he delivered us from sin when no one and nothing else could? And that's and that's the beauty of what, what Jesus is saying to his people. He says, man cannot live on bread alone. What is our focus? You know, every morning comes here and I wake up at 10 past four. Okay, I wake up at 10 past four and then I have to take my stick and show that when I poke the bear uh, 10 minutes later, it's safe to do so. So I'm like, wake up. <laughs> wake up. And eventually she's in a better mood. And then I step out to the balcony and around hoppers four. Step out in the balcony and past four and, uh, and, and, and it's, it's an everyday thing. It's something that I experience every day. It's monotonous. I do it without fail every day. But every day, I feel like God shows me a new thing. Something that looks like this. Or this. Or this. I often sense that he's saying to me, my boy, I know you didn't sleep well, but I've been playing with some colors and this is what I've got to show you. Or listen here, my buddy, I've been watching you tonight. And this is the day that I've made for you. Just go and rejoice and be glad in it. There's a miracle in the mundane. There's a miracle in just being given the same manner every day and every day and every day. Because you know what's happening? The devil's sitting on top of a mountain. He's sitting on top of a mountain saying, I want to show you something new. Let me show you something new here. There it is. There it is. Go. And, and, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. Yeah, do one thing. Just sell yourself to me. Just give me your soul. You can't have all of this. But just like Jesus, he used an Old Testament scripture to fly kick the devil in the face and say, man cannot live on bread alone. Man cannot live on bread alone. There's a humbling experience that happens when we are stuck in the mundane. We use the term stuck in the mundane. And in Deuteronomy, it expresses that. In Deuteronomy 8, 3, 4, it says, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. A food previously unknown to you by your ancestors. He did it to reach you that people do so that people do not live on bread alone, rather by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these forty years your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister so or swell. That humbling experience wasn't a humbling for that generation the generation that would walk out of Egypt into the promised land. That humbling experience was for all the generations that were to come from Israel. That humbling experience was for both you and I. I I went through a very humbling experience last year. Ross knows all about it because I came to him and and told him, my business nearly shut down in August and I, and, uh, I went into this, uh, season where I was going from like conference to conference, wait, waiting for a prophecy from somebody to, to speak to me, and, and I was hearing nothing. So I was, I was going to Ross and say, Ross, this God of yours that you've been telling me about, I don't know so much anymore, bro. And and I remember the, the, the most simple thing that, that Ross said to me that I took. He said, I want you to strip down everything that is distracting for you. Turn your TV off. And then he said the most cruellest thing he said, he said, and put your Xbox away. That was rough, bro. And then he said, go to God and ask him what he wants you to do this season. Because if you get out of this and you didn't connect, you will just be another successful black guy. And that really, really hit home for me because there was a humbling experience where what I thought I needed was in everything that I was doing Were not in just the belief that God would provide again and again and again in the miraculous of the mundane and again. And he did just that. Our business is still open. Our business is still employing people. And we're still doing the work God has assigned us to do. But it just took a moment of saying, Do I believe that I want, I need to consume the stuff from the earth or the bread from heaven? The point is that we cannot live on bread alone, we need our Jesus Christ, we need our Lord and Savior. We need to focus on Him, because the distractions aren't going to go away. The the social media and the Instagram posts and people sitting on business class seats, or even people who are doing very great things, are just going to pop up, and you're going to ask yourself, "Why me? Why am I stuck?" But there's a miracle in the mundane, in the provision of daily bread from our Lord Jesus Christ today, tomorrow, and the next day. And not because I said so, but because he promised you he would. He said he would. He said it in that generation of two million people that were leaving Egypt. He was saying it to this generation of Israelites who were questioning who Jesus is. And he's saying it to you and I today that I'm going to be here today I'm going to be here tomorrow, and I'm going to be here the next day. Give us our daily bread, bread of heaven. Please stand.